Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tennessee Power Hour is here for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny down the hall, making the show happen for us as you broadcast live from Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy. Regan McCross and Sarah Triple are our production assistants today. David Reed, the chairman of the board, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson getting it done. Guys, before we get into, I've got some thoughts on the Preds and the, the Seattle Kraken, the, the expansion draft last night and what it means for David Poyle and this team. We'll hit some Tennessee headlines and we're going to hit some Vols topics as well. Um, a, a couple of just thoughts over the last hour here. We mentioned Nebraska and the Big 12 and survival mode. This is, this is the opportunity for the Pac-12 to create waves in college football. They need to be proactive in going at Oklahoma State and, and that group, uh, that type of college program to bring to the Pac-12 to create their own super conference out west. I, I think this is an opportunity for the Pac-12 to get a grip back on the college landscape where they have dropped off significantly over the last several years. You want to compete and you want to stay afloat with the Big Ten and the SEC because that's where we're headed. This is an opportunity to go claim some of these programs and do just that. I'm going to take that a step further, Hutton. I, I think it's time for, to look, for them to look at a full-on merger. This is not a poaching opportunity. Okay. This is a, this is a Pac-12 and Big 12 get together and say, we're not in a good spot here. We need to admit that up front. Both conferences are not in a great spot. Let's combine them. Let's come up with a new name that we'll agree on, and we will have a uh, Pac Big 12 West and a Pac Big 12 East, and, and it's, it's basically the Big yeah. 12 and the Pac 12, and it's two divisions, but we go in on TV contracts together. Exactly. We share revenue. We do all of that. I mean, we can create conference names all the time. We created the uh, AAC. We created the Big 12, right? We created, we added two to the Pac-12 from the Pac-10, and it was the Pac-8 before that. You can create the name of a conference. Conference USA is another example. Recent history where you create a name out of thin air. Come up with whatever name you want. Combine Big 12, middle of the country, Pac-12, Pacific part of the country. Put them together, make them two separate divisions, and then capitalize. Now that is a league with a ton of teams, right? That you combine the two, and now you've you've got something. And you with have the, you've you, got something with those you, teams. And you can find a media partner that would be all in. Yep. I'm thinking Fox in that. And look, the Pac-12 has been in financial struggles recently. This with a, with some foresight and some imagination, and some negotiation tactics. You can get right back up there with where you had hoped to be a decade ago. Um, and you can be, you're not keeping up with the Joneses here, but you're on the path. Here's my, here's my question on this. Um, I'm not in love with the Pac-12 by any means, but, right. but let's go through it really quickly. Like, who, who would you want out of the Pac-12? Arizona, Arizona State, Berkeley, 
UCLA, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon, USC, Oregon. Stanford, Washington. Utah, Washington, Washington State. The thing is about Oregon and Oregon State, you got that pairing. Washington, Washington State, you've got those pairings. Those are big for those places. We well, could say Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's the same way. Yeah, well, Oklahoma State doesn't have any control of that, though, now. Right. right? These, right. these pairings have control of that. Whereas if you look at what's left of the Big 12, there, there's a lot that's not that appealing, right? I mean, TCU just got in. They don't have any ties to anybody. Kansas State, Iowa State, I don't know, Kansas you know, who's been... Kansas, from a football perspective, is not a desirable appealing team to add at all. Conference. So I think there's a lot more appeal... Nor is Kansas State. In, or Iowa in State. A lot of the good. Pac-12, and uh, with the history, too, which mm-hmm. is still important. But also the geography. I mean, and I know what you're talking about, two, two divisions. But to me, it doesn't, it doesn't divide up very well. And there's more appeal to the Western part than to the central part. I, I, I just think, think it's imperative, that's 20, that's 20 total, by but the way. Paul, I think, I think you're... So you just want to cut four? I think you're... You cut four to get to 16? I'm I, th- not a, I think you're confusing, though, desirable places to live in America no, for really. you compared to die-hard college sports fans. Oh, well, and Oklahoma four. State fans are way more rabid than Cal Berkeley fans. Oh, I don't. Or even USC fans. For that matter, in terms of brand or or UCLA, well, Cal Berkeley's got a hell of a lot of alumni and a hell of a lot of money. But Cal Berkeley, those unless that unless those alumni in the tech world or whatever are paying money to the conference, it doesn't matter because it's about people. It's about eyeballs and about brands that will be watched on digital streaming or on cable or on networks. And uh, the Pac-12, I got to find the numbers. If you take those twenty, the Pac-12 schools, is is paying out way less than the Big Twelve. Yeah. To their member institutions. Oh, could the, sure. could the Pac-12 go and get Kansas and Oklahoma State and Baylor and Texas Tech and add them to the Pac-12? I'm looking at it, if, if I'm running a conference that's not the Big Ten or the SEC right now, I'm trying to figure out how I can make moves to ensure I am, a, I am getting a piece of the pie no matter what happens in the grand scheme of the college football Power Five landscape over the next 10 to 15 years. You want Texas. You want Texas Tech or tech, TCU, right? You want a piece yeah. of Texas. And I was I was a little bit off. Pac-12 is closer than I thought. Thirty-four and a half million was paid out to Big Twelve. Thirty-three point six. They're less than a million off. Neck and neck. And Pac-12's got fourteen teams, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so they're paying. They're making more and paying more teams about the same amount of money. So yeah, but I I do think with those payouts though, it's ripe for a full-on merger. And th- the, teams. This is where the Iowa states. Let's take it another layer deeper with this. We're talking about the big boys mm-hmm. that have value. Okay, what about the little guys in Power Five conferences? Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas in football, Texas Tech, I would put in that category. Uh, go to the Pac-12, Arizona, um, Oregon State, Washington State that you mentioned. There's going to need to be some cooperation from those schools to say, don't leave us behind. We bring something to it. Let's compete with the SEC in that power conference or the Big Ten and what they're doing with volume and with scope Mm -hmm. of the geography of the country. And we are a big part of that, and we have a passionate following that can add something to it. Because the scenario you're talking about, Hutton, if it's a poaching type deal, all those teams are left behind. Would you go 20 or would you cut four and go 16? 
I would go 24. Yeah. I'm talking full on merger and do and two 12-team. Basically, you split it where there's two 12-team conferences, but you're all funneling money into one giant media deal. And you split it. And, and you're going – there's also – there's so much, uh, I think, concern about, well, people aren't watching television as much, so there's not as much TV money out there. There's also tons of competition elsewhere. You can now go compete with Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN, uh, Amazon, mm-hmm. Netflix. Who else knows who's going to get involved in this? And you could get – Fox owns Tubi is a good example. What is Tubi going to do? It's a free streaming service. All of these places can get involved, and you can put your product in multiple spots. But there's only you got more flexibility if you have more teams to do there's that. There's only with. 20 there in a complete merger now, so you'd need to go outside these two conferences to get to 24. Pac-12 has 10 teams. Did I go up on the Pac-12? Pac-12 has 12 teams. All right. So, but 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 in thinking of it's a rare a rare no, actually I, accurately I named conference. Chad Chad's correct in the the merger aspect of it. A full-on just engulfment of, of the of the conference. I've only looked at it and viewed it over the last 24 hours in my mind in a in a poaching aspect. Poaching's bad, or recruitment aspect of specific teams. But if you just if you just grab the whole and combine, where you had a merger, then you're guaranteeing yourself a piece of that pie. Isn't it amazing that we've talked four or five super conferences, and in one day we're talking two super conferences. Yeah, it's, yeah. We skip right from from five to two, conceivably. I mean, we've already got one of them set up. Yeah. So, um, Pac-12. You're right, Paul. Twelve teams actually aptly named. And eight. And then ten. Well, it minus you're taking away yeah, Texas sorry. and Oklahoma. So you so would have twenty. So it's twenty total teams. That's doable. That's good. I mean, I, I like that scenario. If you're if you're just trying to get your piece of the pie. I would be in conversations with the Pac-12 right now trying to do something. And that's a now, hell of in a that, the Pac-12 that is in the power position. That goes all the way to West Virginia. That's West Virginia to, LA. to, well, to Seattle to Tempe. Mm-hmm. And Hutton's right. The Pac-12 would be in the power position with four more teams and yes. more money coming in at that point. So Start times would be interesting. It could still be called the right? Pac whatever you wanted to. you got East Coast. Pac-20. West Virginia I would call East it the Coast Power time. Pack. I would just go with the Power Pack Conference. And just load up on the idea that you're that, powerful, and your footprint is powerful. Your schedule and you, you is have powerful. enough. You have enough uh, college names. football prowess with some of these teams to claim that you're, you know, the, the national championship would need to be determined by playing one of your your teams against the SEC. I mean, you could also play off diversity. You know, we've got USC, we've got Stanford, yeah. we've got. Uh, you know, uh, Iowa uh, or Iowa State. You know, so it's a the most diverse conference in America. The, uh, Iowa State. Yeah. The conferences yeah. that sit back and say, "Oh, we have power five How teams that sit back and think, "Where are we moving to next?" I, I would I would rather be on the side of the conferences that have some teams that say, "What are some power moves that we can make now?" And they should already be thinking about this because Sankey has been doing this. What are some power moves we can do now to ensure we're going to own the landscape in some form or fashion? Because there will be some left behind. And then there are going to be some that determine all the rules, regulations, and cash flow. And the Pac-12 has not been doing that as of late. But this could be an opportunity. A door is open. It's cracked open again to claim your spot. And I I like the idea of a full-on merger. That's not... 
Uh, That's not out of the realm of possibility. Is there a day two or day three element to this that we'll get to? Uh, and, and, and no, it's not anything anybody's thinking about when you make these decisions. Basketball. Sure. Like if, if you had a 20-team yeah. uh, Power 12, or, or, or what are you calling this? Power conference? 20. The, the, I, I the call the it the Power 20. Pack. The Power yeah. Pack. How does yeah. a basketball schedule work for that? And what's it do to March Madness? Or That'd the Big Pack, you know, something like pack. that. I mean, I think you're – it's not that much – it's not dissimilar to what you're doing now. You're playing teams more regionally in a division twice – you know, during the season, then you're going out west or going to the middle of the country to play uh, one time during the season. I think that's the way you work it. I'm all for this. I had had not even thought about Pac-12 poaching Big 12 until you brought the possibility, but I think together we've come up with a pretty good alternative. Screw it. Let's join forces totally, and Mm -hmm. let's have a 20-team conference once Texas and Oklahoma leaves. Then that leads us to what does the Big 10 do to, to make the next move? Notre Dame is one of them. I mean, that's the easy one that people have been talking about for years. And, you try to pick up Notre Dame, and then I think you go to left? Clemson or one of those teams and say, are you comfortable in the ACC with the earth shaking around you with the SEC well, and what they're the doing? Big Ten and the ACC combined, and then you're left with three. Like well, I said, three big ones. And guess what happens then? If the Big Ten approaches Clemson or North Carolina or Florida State or Virginia Tech, where do they go next? They come. They the go SEC to Greg Sankey and exactly. say, do you have a better offer fracture. for us? Uh, and they, uh, and the bidding, the bidding begins. They, they have wanted those those programs have wanted in the past for an opportunity and a path to the SEC. It's been no secret. I mean, that was discussed years back uh, with Florida State. That was a big topic in in Nashville. Was is Florida State going to join the SEC? And they were blocked. Well. Maybe not anymore. But again, what the definition of a conference is changes to me if you've got 20-team conferences because you could go three years without sniffing somebody on your schedule. Well, right now, if right? Uh, we'll talk with Clint Lamb about schedule. this You tomorrow. can do that now in the SEC. I mean, teams don't no, you play can, for you four could or go, five years. Or yeah. Sometimes you wouldn't visit a stadium for 12, yeah. to me, on the rotation. There, there's an opportunity, though, with an eight-team SEC schedule with the two teams joining where a freshman in college would be guaranteed to play in every stadium throughout his college career if you schedule it right. I want that. uh, That that possibility would be open with just the 18 conference schedule. I think they would add a game. Uh, uh, So then it would be guaranteed. I want that guaranteed. Chad, Tennessee Power Hour. As, As a Tennessee alum, when you, when you, okay, go what, ahead. One quick thing, huh, before we get to that, and then, then ask the question. If you really want to have your minds blown, we talked about the Pac-12, Big 12 merger. Yeah. If the Big 10 and ACC just decided we'll join forces too, 29-team conference. Yeah, it's too much. The ACC has 15 teams. The Big 10 has 14. So that would be a cherry-picking scenario, right? For one of them would just emerge as the winner, and they would add some teams to their conference to compete then with the SEC and whatever this hypothetical power pack conferences of a Big 12, Pac-12 combination. The Big 10 wins on football and basketball really loses out because the ACC still has the core of the old best basketball, which isn't going to carry the day. I think I think basketball loses in almost any scenario because there's no thought of basketball. There's going to be some fun you know, new division slash conference matchups that, that you'll get to watch. But no one's thinking about that going into it. It's all football driven. Now Hutton on Duke and North, Car- Duke and North question, Carolina might go. Duke and North Carolina might go together football wise to ensure 
the basketball rivalry. We will we will talk Vols in, in just a moment, just from the perspective of the news of the last 24 hours, and uh, uh, some Preds discussion on you, uh, losing Callie Yarncroke last night to Seattle versus what Poyle actually hoped would happen that did not come to fruition based on moves that he's made this offseason and what it does to set up the future for the Nashville Predators. We discussed that as well this hour right here on Outkick 360. Hang with us. So a broad discussion point as we continue the Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Chad, for years, for years, we have heard from Tennessee fans about getting back to that national power status, back into the college football playoff status. What does this do for that mindset of the Vols football fan, knowing that Texas and Oklahoma would be joining the conference? Set aside for the fact that the, you're in the conference of impact and meaningful football. We, that goes without saying. In regards to hoisting the trophy, being back to that prominence, how does the Vol football fan feel about Texas and Oklahoma joining? I don't think that they like it. Uh, I don't think that adding good football programs, and especially Oklahoma, who along with Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, you know, those are the teams that are going to the, the playoff regularly. Mm -hmm. So you add, you know, to 12 teams, that's going to help your chances of being at least on the periphery or the discussion of the playoff if you're in the SEC. But it's not a good thing. I mean, I think anytime from a competitive standpoint, you add programs like Oklahoma and Texas into the mix, it's going to make things more difficult. More difficult in recruiting. More difficult when you have to play those teams who are really good programs. That's for Tennessee or any, anyone else. Now, the big piece of this, and a lot of people are asking in our YouTube chat right now, how do they separate divisions? Mentioned earlier, we're going to have Clint Lamb from OutKick on tomorrow at 12:15 uh, Eastern, 11:15 Central to lay out his plan. His plan is a four-division with four-team layout for the SEC. Tennessee's perspective on this, and this is going to get people up in arms that aren't Tennessee fans. The Tennessee division, if this happened, SEC North would be Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. That is a weak football division for what the rest of the SEC would look like. But the way you balance this out is you're still going to have constant opponents. But instead of having one constant opponent from another division, you have two. And you break it out based on history, rivalry, rivalry. tradition, whatever it may be. Well, in that scenario, Tennessee's constant opponents would be Alabama and Florida. No cakewalk. Right. Kentucky's going to have easier non-division opponents. Vandy's going to have easier non-division opponents. Missouri, who would, I think, play Texas A&M in that scenario, will have easier non-division opponents. Then you take those other games. So you're looking at three division games in this scenario, two constants, four other conference games. You would now move from eight SEC games to nine. So you rotate that in an NFL-type system. You pick a division. And then you play teams based on your the way you finished, or you just play a division. Well, that's only two games in the NFL, so. Well, it's it's four, so then you would just match up. In this scenario, you just cross over. So this year, you're going to play the SEC South or the SEC West, and you break it out home and away that way. I, I really like this plan. We're not going to go deep into it now because we want to have Clint on to talk about it. Uh, it's the best idea I've seen for the SEC. Let me also state that there is zero chance you make this fair for everyone. 
We have talked about this with the current SEC schedule. The current SEC schedule is not fair for Tennessee because Tennessee has to play Alabama every year in the West. When Vandy plays Ole Miss and Kentucky plays Mississippi State, that on its face is not fair. Florida having to play LSU. Georgia having to play Auburn, not fair. But those are the breaks. But you want those games those too, right? Those are also, I don't want it anymore because it's a, it's a damn curb stopping every year when Tennessee plays Alabama and you're losing guys to injury in that game. But it's tradition. And you are a victim of your own success in history. Tennessee has had historic success, so they're going to play Alabama every year. And I'm fine with that. I don't want to duck Alabama. It's a game that should happen. But that's just the way it's going to be. There's, not, there's going to be breaks that work out for you and not. And if you're including constant opponents, naturally the teams that historically have not won at the same clip are going to play other teams that historically have not won at the same clip. That's the fairest way to do it. Yeah. I, I, it's not, it's not hey, going to be straight down the middle fair for everyone. That's the fairest way to do it. You're going to want to see Texas, Oklahoma, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 I mean, I would want to see UT versus UT. I mean, yeah, that would be a blast. And when you get those divisions, if you get the whatever the new SEC West is with Texas and Oklahoma yeah. in it, you're going to get UT versus UT, right. and you're going to get Tennessee versus Oklahoma all in the same year. Um, but going back to the basketball possibilities, that SEC North I laid out, that's a pretty desirable basketball division yeah. with Kentucky, Tennessee, Vandy, and Missouri. Yeah. I mean, we're not looking at things from other sports, but that's a basketball four-team division. I'd love to see that round robin of two games apiece with those teams playing. The geography still is crazy. Yep. That Missouri and Knoxville are you know, in the same division. I, I jokingly would like to see the Southeastern Division of the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, the SEC of, of the, the SEC. SEC. And I think that, I don't have it in front of me, I think that division geographically would be Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and I'm trying to think of the LSU. four that include maybe LSU. Is yeah. in that circle of the southeastern division. We could have a lot of fun if we played with it on actual geography. Yeah, and drew it up. Well, and you're looking at ways. Get a whiteboard in. You here. want to keep Texas, Oklahoma playing. Yes. You want to keep A and M. You really want a division of the former Big Twelve teams. Like to me, I think Texas A and M, and Clint may have this Throw also. Missouri. But my my ideal one would be Texas A and M, Arkansas, Texas. Oklahoma, you recreate the best of the Southwest Conference. Uh, that'd be a great division. Right? That's the best of the old Southwest Conference going head-to-head, and it's a fun division to follow every year. Uh, and then you keep Auburn-Alabama together. I think Auburn-Alabama with the Mississippi schools makes sense. Ole Miss-Mississippi State, Auburn-Alabama, one division. The one division that lacks luster in football would be the one I, I mentioned first. Tennessee, Kentucky, Vandy, Missouri. Those are kind of the outcasts in the north part yeah, of the conference. Yeah, and you conference. can't pl- complain at all about Alabama and Florida if you get that. No, and, but my point is Georgia, I can't right? complain about it if Tennessee goes 3-0 and against those teams and, and then because they the lose other the other two and you get you know a glitch in the schedule where Kentucky's playing two nobodies on the other side and win. I mean, that's uh, – point being, everyone can complain about anything. Right. There's not going to be a Everybody's going to have some. Every scenario you lay out, I got someone – I retweeted Clint's story, and someone said, Florida would never allow this to happen. <laughs> Florida would never allow themselves to be in a conference with LSU and Georgia while Tennessee's in that. I'm thinking, but Tennessee still has to play Florida. That's right. part of the deal. They still have to play Alabama. You're still going to get that game, and that's not fair to Tennessee in that division, even though the division itself is weak. Yeah, if every single team has to be absolutely ecstatic with what it gets, you got no schedule. Uh, some quick thoughts on the, the Preds losing Callie Oncroke last night in the expansion draft to the Kraken. 
Uh, it's another longtime member of the Preds that's no longer on this roster. It is a big loss. Now, I'm, I'm going to set this up in a moment for why. Because I, I also don't think in the magnitude of the grand scheme of things that they're really concerned about it only because he had a year left on his contract as it stood. So they're viewing it as a, a player with a year left on his contract just went to the Seattle Kraken. Whatever. But it's a big loss because he tied for the team lead with 13 goals. And he, he played a huge role in the team's push for the playoffs. His departure also leaves another hole to be filled. And they were not able to deal Duchesne. That, that's all part of this. But they're... The Preds organization, and we have set this up, I think, well over the last two weeks. They're at an interesting crossroads, like they were in 2012, to set themselves up for another run or down the wrong path because they have plenty of salary cap space available, and they can use that on opportunities to sign free agents or make additions through trades. But for the first time in a long time, they now also don't really have a big portion of their roster under contract for very much longer, other than their two centers with Johansson and Duchesne and then Yossi. Other than that, it's a pretty much wide open roster for maneuverability for David Poyle. They are well positioned to compete and make the playoffs this season, but they could also turn towards a, a full-fledged youth movement instead of a competitive rebuild as they want to term it. Uh, but that youth movement, could also mean good things for David Poyle based on some moves he can still make with either contracts that he can bring in, trades that he can make. Uh, but Yarn Crook was not a piece they wanted to lose, but I also don't think that they're panicking over losing him simply because of his current contract status as it stood. Kraken, you know, on paper, I'm not going to pretend to know these guys. I'm reading a lot of people who know these guys. Uh, and a depth chart. Those announcing where, them definitely didn't know yeah, who they were. <laughs> Callie Yarncroak ranks as a third-team center there. So, look, the Preds could have gotten rid of somebody more favorable to them, but that's what you expect to lose in a, an expansion draft is a, a third-line center. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so it shouldn't break your back to lose a third-line center, but a third-line center is a valuable guy. Um, but the evaluation of what the Kraken put together, say it's nothing like what the Vegas Knights were able to put together. This is not a team that's going to the Stanley Cup finals in its first year. Chad will rejoice at that. He was the most well, upset thank, about all of us. We didn't like how God. easy it was for the Knights to assemble a roster. And I watched more of it than I expected. The, the consensus was that teams simply weren't willing to do the same things that they did to protect players that they really wanted to keep, saying, I'll give you these two guys if you don't take this guy, which allowed Vegas to get good quickly and were opportunities that were not afforded to Seattle last night. You know that a but is coming when I preface something with this. I love, love, love David Poyle. As, as we like to say, we love three loves. Love, love, love. Love David Poyle. Love the guy that he is. Love what he's done with this organization. David Poyle needs to start collecting some W's this offseason and stop taking L's because it's been L after L after L. And not being able to come up with a deal to get rid of one of those $8 million centers and losing Callie Yarncroke, however you want to slice it, is an L. Arvidsson trade was a W. I don't know. I don't know that they're better uh, with that. I mean, I, look, they needed to get rid of Ryan Ellis. They waited too long to get rid of Ryan Ellis. 
And because of that, they didn't get the haul in return they should have gotten for Ryan Ellis. That's an L. Losing Callie Yarncroke is an L because they didn't want to lose Callie Yarncroke. They wanted to lose one of the guys that's overpaid right now and get that point being it's time to start seeing a return. There's money now. There's an ability to go get some guys. Let's start seeing the plan take shape because I'm not seeing the competitive part of competitive rebuild right now. I'm seeing straight rebuild. A lot of it's going to hinge on how they deal with the Philip Forsberg contract negotiation. Can they get him under an extension for a three or four year contract where we laid this out a couple of weeks ago, where you get him for six and a half, and they give him a little bit of a bump and pay him more than really what he's been producing just to keep, keep him on your roster for three to four years. I wouldn't go beyond that. Uh, and I would use the current contract status across the roster to my advantage in maneuvering how they want to build for the future. He can make this into a really good situation for Nashville, but the decisions that will be made in the coming weeks here are going to set this team up much, much like they were in 2012, where you, you set yourself up for a run behind a really strong goaltender and key pieces, youth around them that will grow together as a unit. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they build it now, now that we know that the Kraken are going with Yarncroke. Coming up, some news in the NFL with a memo that was sent out to every team about COVID protocols and potential forfeits. That is straight ahead on OutKick 360. Making it rain, the OutKick 360 daily parlay, and it heads to Jacob Swanson tonight. Thanks to Hani Mukhtar, not sniffing goal. FanDuel.com uh, no slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can join us for the daily parlay. Jacob, where are we headed tonight? We're going to the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> I'm right. feeling a little homesick. Uh, get back up to the Minnesota region of the country. And we've got Minnesota here. Uh, and we're going to bet on David Fletcher having two hits there. Andrew Heaney throwing less than 6.5 strikeouts. David Fletcher, Jacob Swanson, has been talking about David Fletcher all year. Big He's been winning money on the splits. Yeah, knows the splits with Fletcher. He's He told me he's very confident in Fletcher with his two-plus hits. I'm always hesitant to go over one hit for a player in a game on a bet, but Jacob Swanson, very confident. Sometimes this I'm Fletcher. hesitant to go over no hits. $5 wager has a total payout of $32.20 right now with the same game parlay at fanduelcom slash OK360. Who will ride with us? Who will bet with us tonight? That is the question. Please oh. let us know if you decide to ride with our parlay this evening. We love winning with others. Please join in. We used Fandle. to say all rise, like when the three of us watched um, Judge at, at the Cleveland ballpark. All For three all together. Four of us in all bats. rise all together the whole time. Rose. Now Every we inning. say all ride. <laughs> all ride the bet with us. All ride. Uh, big news in a memo that's sent out to all the NFL teams today. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, tweeting out this, and it's, it's lengthy. We'll hit some of the highlights here. The NFL just informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week season in 2021 due to COVID outbreaks among unvaccinated players, the team, will, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and will be credited with a loss for playoff seeding per sources. Uh, they, not only will they be credited with a loss and they forfeit, they will be uh, be not playing that week 
and would not be getting paid that week. Neither team. Neither team would get paid that week. No pay. And then the team with That's the outbreak great. would then forfeit the game for playoff implications. Now, does this help the team? That Would they be picking up a win? If you don't, if, if one team forfeits, does it count for a win for playoff it's implications? Yeah, it's a forfeit. I believe so. Forfeit, here's the, here's the thing. This sounds big and dramatic. It is big and dramatic. But there should be far less potential for this this year than last year. And last year, no games were rescheduled to week 18. This week, it would be week 19. Yeah, they're not building in an extra week is what they're saying. All right. Well, they, they had the potential to back things off on a week last year, but they didn't build it in. And they didn't need it. They got everything in. They played games as late as a Wednesday well, afternoon. But they, they, but they're not. But they allowed doing for that the possibility. They're, they're not, not allowing for now. the possibility now. But last year they didn't need the possibility. They allowed. For they it. needed a lot and of possibilities were, to move games. But though. they were at a lot more risk last year than they will yeah. be at this year. Well, they're the, they continuing are, to incentivize getting the damn vaccine. Same question with the SEC. Are they testing vaccinated players? They are. They every are, two then, weeks. Every two weeks. Then it's. They don't need to test vaccinated players. I mean, if, they do not need to test. No, vaccinated but this how are you going to penalize? Result, like you're saying, get the damn vaccine. How are you going to penalize someone who got both vaccines? Well, they're not going to penalize. Test this says vac- unvaccinated players. This is about unvaccinated. So it's all about them. But they are going to test vaccinated. But it's only unvaccinated players that are. If you have to do a game for uh, unvaccinated players, is is how that how I read that. Now, you could still have guys... Vaccinated individuals can test positive, and then they have to have two negative, two negative tests. tests to get they back. should not be testing vaccinated no. players, period. But if you're, period. if you're unvaccinated, you have the 10-day wait thing to get back in. But, that's, but still, Paul, point is, that's fine. If the unvaccinated has a 10-day wait period, they're going to have to suffer through that because they didn't get the vaccination. If you got double vaccinated and you can't test out of it, What's the message? Well, here, here's You're going to have to forfeit a game because you've got six vaccinated guys that are testing positive and they can't get the two tests, so you're forfeiting a game I'm because not against, of that? I'm not against what you're saying, but here's the, the issue is the unvaccinated guys. So if you're a vaccinated guy Then and test you the unvaccinated it, guys only. You're giving it to the unvaccinated guys. If those guys would get vaccinated, then there'd be no concern. They're, they're going to lift some of the restrictions on pain players if – if the vaccinated individuals are what causing the outbreak, outbreak meaning they can't play on their roster, they can't test out. Um, If if a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. Meaning they're going to try to push this back to a Wednesday and then maneuver things around where guys test out if they can. And the concern would be a positional outbreak, a quote unquote outbreak, right? Yeah, and you've got the big practice squad. Have they said the practice squad is the same? I, I just, think they have. Maybe, maybe I'm being naive here with the NFL and this being their job and their profession. I don't sense that there's enough unvaccinated NFL players in one position group where this would be an issue to forfeit a game. The only way they're going to have to forfeit a game is them doing the stupid thing of testing vaccinated players. So then if those guys can't test back into it, if they fail the next two tests, then that's the only way it's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's an entire offensive line that's unvaccinated somewhere in the NFL, Chad, and they all could get wiped out. They, they made the Denver Broncos play a game last year with a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. Yeah. They can make up any rule they want to to play a game. And if they're testing vaccinated players, it's BS. If that's why they're not going to play a game in 2021. If I, that's why. Well, and here's to this not being an issue and not having to deal with it, but – 
I don't just, think it's it's logical to me that if you make the decision to not get vaccinated and you're playing one of these sports, then you get tested. You're also right. signing up for the test. And if you pop positive for COVID-19, you're out for that game. And that's the risk of not getting vaccinated. But if you were heeding the PSAs and your coaches and the league and everyone else, this goes SEC and NFL, and you've been double vaccinated. Nick Saban, state of Alabama, largely not vaccinated. Alabama football, 92% vaccinated because Nick Saban told them to. How are you going to penalize Alabama if they have vaccinated players testing positive? Same goes for the NFL. And you're conceivably at a competitive disadvantage, mm-hmm. not just in this. I don't think the, the game stuff's going to be a factor. But you're at a competitive disadvantage if you're not meeting their threshold in terms of how you use the weight room, how you function in the facility, and all of that. And for how much, Hutton, we hear this lip service to competitive disadvantage. Oh, my God, you said who was practicing at right tackle today? (laughs) Our world is going to fall apart. Then I don't understand how you say, my God, down in Jacksonville, they're working out in the weight room anytime they want, and we have to go 10 at a time and schedule this out the whole day. And our meetings, you know, I can sit next to you in a meeting, and we can look at this film together like this. But our team has to be spread out and whatever. They're, that's major competitive disadvantage to I, me yes. for all of this BS that they sell as competitive disadvantage that has no bearing whatsoever. My point, the things though, I just talked about are actual competitive disadvantage. You've got to get your stuff to a point where you're, you have the same benefits of practice and meetings that the teams who are above the threshold have. My, my overall point, though, with all that being said, that is why a majority of the players are going to receive the vaccination. They're in a healthy age group. If they get COVID-19, some of them have already had it. They're in a healthy age group where they're going to see minimal effects, if any. And they're getting vaccinated to help the team and to help the league in the PR stance of the league. If then they are punished for being vaccinated to where they can't play, that is pure BS, period. Agreed. And and I understand that they are they are trying to incentivize this, incentivize this by saying if, if it's the vaccinated players that are unable to play, they're going to uh, have a, a lesser different, burden to bear. Yeah. But a, a key here is they're not going to maneuver games like they did last year from a Tuesday to a Wednesday. We're not going to see Baltimore and Pittsburgh in week 11 be moved to a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Or the Titans get their bye week moved. Or that. Here's, so here, here's a, another key quote. If a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden. But every club is obligated under the Constitution and bylaws to have its team ready to play at the scheduled time and place. A failure to do so is deemed condru- conduct detrimental. There is no right to postpone a game. Well, they, I mean... I, th- I don't think that's terrible. I think the Titans were ready to play at a time and place. And they wouldn't you know, until play. the league sa- yeah, Until the league said you can't play because of the thing. Mm-hmm. But they, right. were, they said, you know, we, Vrabel's thing would have been like, we'll play with who we have if we have to. Right. We're ready to go. You know, I think I, most no, teams I, were like that. We're going to play when they tell us to play. Yeah. That, that's the, we'll that's we'll the be mindset. ready to go when you say go. But if you have not been vaccinated by now and you've had every opportunity to do so, you have some sort of objection to getting vaccinated. Whatever the objection is, right? If you're a professional football player and you haven't been vaccinated, right. there's a reason you haven't been vaccinated. It's because you're choosing to not get vaccinated. The consistent message has been, if you want football this fall, go get vaccinated. So if you then tell that person, go get vaccinated, 
<laughs> I know you don't want to get vaccinated, but go get vaccinated. But we're still going to test you when you're vaccinated. And if you test positive, you may have to forfeit anyways. Makes no sense. And if I'm the player that's against vaccination, I'm responding with that. Well, I want to do it to not hurt my team. But if you're telling me you're going to continue, Paul, we said this before. You know, what's the biggest benefit, competitive balance, whatever it is, it, you get out of the protocols, right? You're not having to you test. You don't have to be there every morning. You, you get to, to get do tested things. You get freedom day. if you do it. Like, that's a big chip to play with college football players, with professional football players. And, but and if I still would, have not been vaccinated, if I'm one of these players, if I'm Cole Beasley, who doesn't want to get vaccinated, and everyone is telling me and beating me over the head with, you got to get vaccinated, you got to get vaccinated, I don't want to hurt my team if I'm Cole Beasley, right? So what if that's the pressure point of, okay, I'm going to do it for my teammates, but then the league comes back and says this, but we're still going to test you, Cole, and if you happen to get it, even if you have no symptoms, you may not be eligible to play, and your team may still have to forfeit. I know the chances of that happening are smaller, but that's not right. Forfeit without pay, both teams. That's not right. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Can't, can't punish the vaccinated with no pay. Um, big news that we'll lead into tomorrow that we'll know today around 5 or 6 p.m. Dennis Dodd reports the Big 12, the ADs and CEOs at the, uh, of the Big 12 are meeting today at 5 o'clock to discuss Texas and Oklahoma and their move to the SEC. What are they going to do? That's coming up today at 5. Handcuff them to a radiator? Big 12 ADs and CEOs meeting at 5 p.m. today to discuss Texas OU situation is what Dennis Dodd tweeted. Hopefully someone in that group watches Outkick 360 (laughs) and they come to bat with, guys, I've got a plan. Saw it on this great show online. Let's call the Pac-12. Let's merge. Someone said they should call it the Big Pac. Instead of the Big Mac with the Big 12 and Pac-12 combining, let's go with that plan. Big Pac. That's how you save yourself. That's all tomorrow. We hope you'll join us noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, right here for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.